Welcome to episode 17 of the Search with Counter podcast, recorded on Friday the 5th of July 2019. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and today I'm going to be helping you through some of the search news of the week. This week there's some new data on the Google diversity update, and there's some analysis showing where the impact of that has been that's quite interesting. I want to introduce you to a really useful home-built and free keyword research tool I stumbled across during the week and lastly we'll talk about the changes Google has been making to how they're handling robots.txt. The Google diversity update. I have an update on this for you. We mentioned the Google diversity update in episode 13 If you missed that, it was announced on the 6th of June by the Google search liaison Twitter that said, have you ever done a search and gotten many listings all from the same site in the top results? We've heard your feedback about this and wanting more variety. A new change now launching in Google search is designed to provide more site diversity in our results. This site diversity change means that you usually won't see more than two listings from the same site in our top results. However, we may still show more than two in cases where our systems determine it's especially relevant to do so for a particular search. So that was the announcement that Google made on the 6th of June. They made it clear that the diversity update was separate from their big, much talked about June core update. Since then, um, we saw a little bit of initial findings from Moz that said the impact of the diversity update, at least, was minimal. And at the end of last month, I saw a really nice, well-written report by Searchmetrics that published some analysis that showed actually the impact may be a bit bigger than we first thought. Again, I, as always, I'll link to everything I'm speaking about in the search uh, with Candor notes, which you can find at search.withcandor.co.uk. Okay, so this post by Search Metrics, all I'm going to do is just read kind of the most salient parts of this post for you. The whole thing's there. It's quite long if you do want to go through it yourself. The main question that they were trying to answer was how common was it to find the search results flooded with organic listings from a single domain? And they've said, to provide an answer, we have compared the search results for a set of thousands of keywords from March 2019, a few months before the update, with June 2019, just after the diversity update was announced by Google. For each keyword, we can measure the diversity of the search results according to the maximum number of URLs in the top 10 that belong to a single domain. So basically they're just looking at before and after the update, how many times is the same URL appearing lots of times in the top 10 and they've got a nice bar chart they've published that shows before and after the update. And they say the main developments are one, keywords returning more than three URLs from one domain in the top 10 are effectively zero 
down from 1.8%. So prior to the update, about 1.8% of the search results they got had more than three, three URLs from the same domain. And now after the update, basically none do. And secondly, three URLs from one domain now appear for just 3.5% of keywords, a drop of almost half from 6.7%. And thirdly, the proportion of keywords for which two URLs from a single domain are displayed has risen slightly from 43.6% before the update to 44.2% afterwards. The drop in keywords returning multiple URLs for one domain has meant that now just over half, 52.3% up from 47.9% of searches return 10 different domains in the top 10 rankings. And the post actually goes on to break down these results between uh, transactional searches. So that's when there's a search with intent where someone basically wants to buy to transact. Informational searches where someone's just does what it says on the tin, they're just after information and comparing them as well to navigational searches. So they're the searches when we're too lazy to type in the www dot. So you just Google the website name and click the first result. Um, and I think that's important because if you're Googling a navigational result, this is, I think, a situation where Google systems are very likely to come to the conclusion that it's very relevant to show more than two or three results from the same domain. And kind of unsurprisingly, they have found that, yes, especially in transactional results, this uh, diversity update seems to have the biggest impact. So their conclusions from this is that smaller or niche sites have more chance to rank for keywords that used to be dominated by sites like Amazon. So that's actually a really great result for smaller businesses because that's one of the things you consider, especially if you're an e-commerce site, if you're overlapping with Amazon, is if they're dominating that first page, is it you know worth the effort to try and shift them on those keywords? They've also said, as the diversity criteria are only applied to organic results, SERP features are given increased weighting. If you can usually only rank with a maximum of two organic results, then the boost from an additional featured snippet is all the more valuable. The same goes for image or video rankings. And what they're talking about here is, we were told when the diversity update went live that it only applies to the standard organic listings, the kind of 10 blue links. It doesn't apply to the special results which might be featured snippets, they might be news results, uh, or as search metrics have said, image or video rankings. So they're saying that now there's more value on these because you can't have necessarily position one, two, three, and four anymore. So it's even more valuable to try and get those extra special results as well. Um, another consequence is a possible increased emphasis for the Amazons of this world on paid listings. If they can now only have two unpaid results, then one way to ensure more top of the SERP presence will be investment in Google ads or product listing ads, which Google obviously won't mind at all, writes search metrics. So that's very true. If they're reducing the amount of organic real estate that these larger organizations were enjoying, 
to sustain the same amount of traffic, same amount of sales, the only way they might be able to do that is to start investing in Google's pay platform, which is obviously uh, great for Google. So I thought it was an interesting update, something to watch out for if you are working at an SME, if you're doing e-commerce to maybe look at if you've noticed a change in your search positioning. It might not be because of the core June update. It might not be because you've done anything particularly well or different. It might just be because some of the sites that were above you were having multiple positions which have been taken away. Scraping people also asked on Google search is something I want to talk about because I found a really, really neat tool. Uh, just completely stumbled across it. I can't even remember how I found it. Um, and it's from a blog post by someone called Alicio Natalo. And they've done a blog post called Scraping People Also Asked on Google Search. So people also asked, you have very likely seen it. It's the widget that's been introduced into the search results in 2015, and it gives hints about how search engines try and help users refine their search. So if you do a search now that's an informational search, you will usually get this kind of people also asked box where you can click on another question and then it will give you another search result and it will it will kind of set you down a, a tree system of other questions people also ask from that question. It's particularly interesting with all the uh, moves Google's made to becoming an answer engine as well over a search engine and it gives you insight into how Google itself understands topics. This script that Alicio is providing, gequestions.py, is a Python script that you provide it with an initial starting point keyword and it will go to Google, do a search for this keyword and it will scrape the other questions that people also ask from Google and then it will take each of these questions people also ask, do that search and then get the next level of questions that people also ask so in the example, he's uh, given flights as the initial keyword and it brings back, how do I find cheap flights? What is the best flight booking site? Is it cheaper to buy a plane ticket last minute? I thought he was going to say, is it cheaper to buy a plane? And uh, what is the cheapest day of the week to fly? As the first four questions that the search term flights gives. And then it breaks off from there. So on the question, how do I find the cheapest flights? There's another two tree branches that come from that saying, do flight prices go down at night? And how can I fly for free? So this is, uh, it actually, once it does this mining for you, not only does it save the results, but it plots them on this kind of tree diagram that makes the information very easy to understand. And Alicia writes, how to use this data? These related questions give us a deeper insight than traditional keywords. Following, there is not an exhaustive list of what you can use the data for. So he's written some ways you can use the data. So ideas for new content, understanding what are the most common questions when users are searching for something is an amazing help if you're writing a new content or even a new editorial plan. 
Uh, we can also use the data to create FAQ pages, uh, improve existing content. We can use these questions to improve existing articles and make them more pertinent to the context. It could also be a good idea to use them as paragraph headings or to improve title meta descriptions. And um, I think it gives really good insight into how Google is actually understanding these subjects and how questions are grouped together. So rather than doing keyword research and just having a huge list of sub uh, of you know things on that subject, this helps you start breaking it down into okay, there's when people are looking for flights, for instance, um, people are looking at what what's the ways to get a cheapest flight, and there's a whole subset of questions from that. And then they start looking at what time to fly, for instance, and there's a whole subset of questions from that as well. So it gives you an idea of how Google's seeing these questions, these topics, and how they're all related together. Um, you will need a little bit of Python knowledge to get this up and running. It's a command line tool. It's not particularly difficult. Alicia has provided fairly detailed instructions on the usage, and there's loads of people online that use kind of Python. So if you've got it installed on your Mac, Windows, Linux machine, it should be pretty straightforward to get up and running. Um, so don't be scared off just by the fact it hasn't got a nice, pretty graphical user interface. It's a really neat tool. Um, Alicia then actually goes pretty deep into some natural language processing and talking about how you can actually use deep learning to automatically generate answers to the questions as well and maybe use them as uh, like kind of live chat answers um, but even without doing that I think it's a really useful tool it's free and it's worth checking out robots.txt updates we found out a few days ago that Google was open sourcing their robots.txt parser, which was interesting news, but not particularly impactful in terms of something maybe you should be doing as an SEO. But what did become interesting is they're actually now going to be removing support for things they were unofficially supporting before in robots.txt. So robots.txt is the text file that is helping us as SEOs, as webmasters, control where Google goes um, on our site, where they crawl, and actually could be used unofficially to specify parts of your site or specific pages that you didn't want Google to index. So while it was um, technically unsupported, you could specify uh, pages sections on your site in the robots.txt you could say okay no index this part of the site so Google published a post on the webmaster central blog um, and again I won't read all of this I'm just going to read the kind of part about them removing this support so they said while open sourcing our parser library we analyzed the usage of robots.txt rules in particular we focused on rules unsupported by the internet draft such as crawl delay no follow and no index. Since these rules were never documented by Google, naturally their usage in relation to Googlebot is very low. Digging further, we saw their usage was contradicted by other rules in all but 0.001% of all robots.txt files on the internet. 
These mistakes hurt websites' presence in Google search results in ways we don't think webmasters intended. So what they're saying there is these rules that they were supporting were being used in such a way that contradicts other rules maybe that people understood what they were doing so were potentially I, I would guess from the context of this people are accidentally blocking parts of their site from being indexed by google without really knowing what they're doing in the interest of maintaining a healthy ecosystem and preparing for potential future open source releases we're retiring all code that handles unsupported and unpublished rules such as no index on the 1st of september 2019 for those of you who relied on the noindex indexing directive in the robots.txt file, which controls crawling, there are a number of alternative options. And they list some different ways here, so I'll go through them quickly. So noindex tag in robots meta tags, supported in both HTTP response and headers and in HTML. So they're saying the noindex uh, directive, obviously you can still use it, but the documented supported way to specify if a page is no index is either through an http response header or putting it on the page uh, they list 404 and 410 http status codes so both status codes mean that the page does not exist so 404 we've all seen those before page does not exist and 410 is the status code for the page is kind of removed it's permanently gone and they say uh, which will drop such urls from google's index once they're crawled and processed Password protection, um, so unless markup is used to indicate it's subscription or paywall content, hiding a page behind a login will generally remove it from Google's index. Um, and this one's quite interesting, so disallow in robots.txt. Search engines can only index pages that they know about, so blocking the page from being crawled usually means its content won't be indexed. While the search engine may also index a URL based on links from other pages without seeing the content itself. We aim to make such pages less visible in the future. So this is quite important because previously the disallow in the robots.txt is there to prevent crawling, but it did not specifically stop pages from becoming indexed. And quite commonly you would see search results that it would return a page and it would say no further information about this page is available, which would mean that it's been blocked from crawling, but Google still indexed that URL. And that's quite a common misunderstanding <clears throat> we found with many developers that they think the disallow in robots.txt is going to stop pages getting indexed. Uh, that's not true. So they're saying it looks like there might be some tweaks here to make them less visible and make that actually a thing, which I think will, will help everyone. And lastly, search console remove URL tool. The tool is a quick and easy method to remove a URL temporarily from Google's search results. So if you do need to get a page out of Google's index quickly, you can request it's temporarily removed by Search Console. So that will very quickly remove it. But unless you've specified it's no index and you don't want it in there, it will come back in when it gets crawled again. So that's just a way to remove pages before you have to wait for Google actually to crawl them to see your no index tag or header response so this announcement got mixed reactions from the seo community uh, many people are pointing out that using noindex and robots.txt was never officially supported it never has been supported by other search engines like bing 
so why have you been using it at all you know why have you been using it you're an idiot kind of thing um, others have pointed out that the support for no indexing pages in robots.txt was actually really helpful uh, and I'm kind of on this side of the fence to be honest um, so the current support officially supported methods and the future only methods of no indexing pages of getting it to return the no index in the HTTP header or getting it implemented on page require development teams to make changes to actual kind of website pages they may be working on or may have further repercussions or impacts and while that in theory sounds a very simple thing to do you know and the risk is low of doing these kind of things in actual reality of working with businesses day in day out working especially with larger companies with development teams with priorities with ticket systems these changes can get put right at the back of the queue because the fact is they're happening on pages that are going live um, so it needs to be tested it needs to be part of you know it needs to be triaged so they can take months and it is easier to get a developer to make a change to a robots.txt file than anything that's going to impact the rest of their development flow it's very very unlikely you're going to break anything updating a robots.txt at least in terms of the stuff they're working on so i've seen quite big companies use the robots.txt to control no index just because i think it's a way to skip their dev flow which is of course kind of their problem but it was a reality that was helping a lot of people um, Google are saying that the rules are allowing more people to hurt themselves and help themselves, which I don't, you know, nobody else has seen that data apart from Google. So that's hard really to comment on. My guess would be it's probably going to be people who aren't doing SEO or certainly not doing it properly. If they're writing, uh, if they're writing robots.txt rules that are contradicting each other and blocking whole pages from the web and they haven't even noticed, it's unlikely that they're going to get any meaningful rankings anyway, I would guess. Although that's not, you know, what Google's aim is. They don't want to make it difficult for people to do that. They, the idea is you just build a website and Google will be able to rank it. So they've made a they've made a decision there. We're going to have to live with it either way. You've got until the 1st of September if you are relying on this method. I've had some questions when I spoke about this earlier uh, on social media from people running like WordPress sites if you are running WordPress and you've got, you know, one of the popular SEO plugins, um, something like Yoast, none of these should be using robots.txt for no indexing. So you don't need to worry about it or changing anything. And I suspect those who will be affected will know they're about to be affected. Uh, but if you're not sure, check. And that's everything I have time for this week. I do hope that you found it helpful um, and that you've had a great week i just want to give one quick shout out to daniel brooks and dom hodgson who came last night and did two brilliant talks at search norwich at our one year anniversary of our kind of seo search meetup in norwich thank you so much guys the talks went down really really well um, and i will catch you all next week so we will have the next podcast going live on monday the 15th of july and that's everything i'm mark williams cook and i hope you have a good week